the Agostin Hosinga show with your host Agostin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. Hello there, welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 590, that's 590 of the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host Agostino Zynga and I hope you are doing well wherever you may find this bloody nice pod, hope you are doing well, how am I all good orphans considered? all good all things considered if you're watching this via the flipping youtubes you would have noticed one thing i'm very very zoomed in i'm almost touching your nose as i'm speaking to you watching you via the youtube so if you're not watching this via youtube and you're listening via the audio podcast that exists out there then please make sure you flip over to youtube just to see how close my face is to the camera (laughs) and you would notice one thing I've taken out one of my nose piercings. I did have two on either side of one of my nostrils, my very Afrikaans nostrils, and I've managed to take out one because the one on the right-hand side, if you hadn't noticed, was flipping bothering me. Why was it bothering me? Because it was the one I got the most recent um, and it wasn't aligned properly according to the one I had on my left because when I got it done, I got it done in Madrid and it was a really packed, um, you know, piercing place that's really cheap but really good. Um, But then because it's really cheap and really good, usually there's always lands around a block and Spain's one of the only countries still, apart from maybe parts of Brighton, where kids over there are still into like goth and alternative sort of stuff. So there's loads of people there that are into body modifications, tattooing and, you know, piercings and whatnot. So piercings and tattoo shops are always popping. And I didn't know this. So I go to one good one, highly recommended, cheap and fast. But then when I get there, everybody's obviously there because it's cheap and fast. So I had to wait for a long time. And then by the time I then get, you know, scuttled into the room, I kind of tell the person why I want in my horrible Duolingo broken spanish like hola senor hola chico hola hombre uh para me whatever whatever right whatever i say to him he finally gets around to doing it and i feel awful telling him to keep moving the flipping dot because he's doing it with a little bit of ink to kind of measure it up and i feel awful to keep telling him to go that side that side i don't really know how to say left or right or two millimeters up or half a centimeter down so i just let him do it wherever thinking it's going to be okay but then when i come back home and i put the piercing in especially bigger balls i notice straight away that the right one if you notice the past videos is way over there Whereas my left piercing is kind of hard to describe, but it's sort of like it's within the little um, 90 degree angle section of the of my nose. It's kind of right over here on that bit sort of thing. And the other one wasn't where it should be. So the plan now is to get them redone. But the really crazy thing about the right piercing, which I've taken out only, I think, a few weeks now, but it's essentially healed up. I tried to put my other piercing through just to see if the hole is still open. And it's essentially sealed up very quickly. The nose um, 
part of your skin um you know any piercings do end up sealing up a lot faster than maybe your earlobe really really interesting to see spooky man because there, there was a really legit hole on the right hand side before same like a left one where i would put my piercing and the piercing bar for this particular um little ball i have isn't the thinnest you know it's a bit of a thick daddy it's a bit of a bbc so the fact that it's able to like seal up so quickly is actually testament to how quickly our bodies kind of you know, tighten up and stuff. So that's pretty good out there. And it's, you know, it's word of encouragement there for some of my um looser female ladies out there listening to the podcast. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. <laughs> but yeah, that's why I've taken off the piercing and now I'm going kind of one piercing. Um, I kind of look like a brick lane hipster. Um, I, I look like some guy that works at Protein Studio. I look like a guy that's got my own little consultancy. I look like a guy that, you know, walks around town with, what's that? with a writing on the back of my jacket you know but the gang is beautiful love is power um beauty and art you know all that sort of shit i look at one of those type of guys you know what i mean um art is beautiful um you know um what you call it canvas fog you know those kind of things that like, there's like you know those black boys with dreads and fucking you know um what's it called uh dreads and what's that company called it reminds me i fucking lost the name <laughs> black boys with dreads and words on the back of their jackets and like they wear like um oh what's it called man i wish i remember the name of the rings there's this ring company in london that does all these little rings that everyone kind of wears I, I think i used to have a couple actually so i'm, I'm actually insulting myself and they're basically motorbike you know style inspired but they make like lion's head they have a skull it's like a particular brand and they have like an old gothic type of um logo if you know you know what i'm talking about those type of guys exist you know they're always wearing clickety clackety boots um they're usually from like you know they're not usually from like ghana or nigeria they're usually from like random places like gabon sierra leone cap verde maybe even angola do you know i mean those type of dudes right they're always on like the offbeaten path rwanda and shit you know, they were surrounded by like baddies who are all their platonic friends that they work with, you know, on projects, quote unquote, right? <laughs> they never buy their own drugs. <laughs> you know, those guys, I've met Barry them in Berlin. Those are the ones in Berlin that always would hate me, that always give me bad vibes. I, I've said this plenty of time. That's one of my really funny memories of going to Berlin, especially in recent years where you bump into some of the cool kids over there, especially the black guys and stuff. And they always kind of give you a bit of a, they just kind of give you a bit of a stern look. They was trying to vibe you out and trying to check you out and think, what are you doing? Are you trying to steal my bitches? It's like, no, dude, I just want to jam, innit? I don't know. I just, I don't even smoke. I'm in the smoking. I just want to chat. I just want to hang out, have some fun, relax, you know, maybe swap some IGs and stuff and just connect with people. I'm not really here to scoop up any of your quote unquote baddies, but they always give you a little bit of a side eye. Like, what's, what's the deal with this guy? Cause they, they want to be the only cool guy, you know, the only cool black guy in the village. They don't want you to kind of trample on their toes. <laughs> oh, honestly, I love those dudes because I know I it's, I insult them, but I know I'm I'm not so far away from them. And probably to the untrained eye, I probably look like one of those dudes that has like you know slogans on the back of my jackets. I've got aggressively ripped denim that I wear every day, you know, showing my fucking knobbly knees everywhere. I've got some, you know, place, you know, some some artfully placed tattoos here and there. I might wear one of those like rising sun chains, or I might still unironically still wear um wooden beads. Those type of dudes, right? Like all that sort of stuff. Like I know I'm I'm not too far away from that. I'm only a couple bad life choices, a couple bad breakups, 
a couple backpack tours to India or like Honduras or something. And then suddenly I turn into those type of dudes where I'm fucking getting poke tattoos and shit and talking about my chakra. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but for now I can laugh at them because I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy in the slightest, mate. I'm not that guy. But, um, what's been going on lately? What's been going on? So, um, you mostly have probably heard Twitter's been absolutely on fire the last couple of days. It's been absolutely on fire. Um, I'm really kicking myself, man. I never used Twitter more so than I've used it in the last two years. And it mostly has come about because of the pandemic. If the pandemic never happened, I would have never used Twitter, I swear, in my life because I was always on Instagram. But for some reason, the pandemic came around, I guess because Instagram's kind of showy. And I'm trying to like psychoanalyze myself, maybe because Instagram is a lot more showy. And at the time during the pandemic, like, like the rest of us, I was going through a bad time i wasn't really feeling the greatest i didn't really want to see people having fun because i wasn't feeling like i was having fun or i was enjoying myself or I was, I was happy in any way shape or form so you can kind of maybe get the best parts of social without seeing everybody flossing and stunting by using flipping twitter so i just basically jumped on it at the beginning of the pandemic so i've only been using it heavily really for the last two years and a half the other times i was using it was ma mainly here and there to grab some videos or it might have been to kind of share something like i basically use it as another place to share links of stuff that i was doing like if i had the podcast out i'd share it on there new blog share it on there mix share it on there whatever but i never used it to kind of you know really consume content but over the last couple of years it's been amazing and this past weekend has been awesome because for some reason Elon Musk woke up and just you know chose violence or chose to fucking press people's annoying buttons because he woke up and decided to just change shit fundamentally about Twitter which was quite interesting approach which I never really even thought about myself so what did he do he basically implemented a read limit so he basically said for um for people that are unverified you could read up to a certain amount of tweets i think initially it was like 600 and if you're verified you could do 6000 and then over the course of the weekend he changed the you know the limits but that was the basic premise of it and obviously most people on twitter who just you know love the app but don't want to pay for any kind of additional service were absolutely in, in you know enraged people were writing absolute essays about why it's a bad idea they were adding elon he's his, his mentions must have been crazy it was just a real wild time because you know we were all basically figuring out in real time like right is elon just gonna do what he wants with this app that he bought and i think everyone quietly realized yeah he paid for it so essentially he can if he wants to take a big dump on it and just you know let it go to fire if he wants to because you know it's his thing he can do what he wants and I think it was just funny for me to realize that that was even an option. I don't think, cause I've worked a lot in, you know, in start, in the startup industry or whatever sector market, whatever you call it. I've worked for some, I've worked at a couple of places that you could deem them to be social media platforms. And I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about monetizing the feed in that way, right? In terms of, oh, how much you can actually scroll. That's actually quite wild because I remember when I first started using TikTok for the first few times, it made me appreciate even though instagram pushes the sponsored content way too hard and your feed usually is made up sometimes even to this day your feed will be made up like maybe 60 percent of stuff that you don't even follow it'll be pages you don't follow but recommended to you accounts you don't follow but recommended to you plus people's paid promotion like you know like those absolute idiots and ignoramuses who pay for fucking 
promo for their fit pics and stuff, right? That stuff is all getting pushed to you. So you're not really even seeing your friend stuff and it's not obviously coming up in any sort of, um, you know, there's no order of it anyway, just whatever. So I remember when I first started using TikTok, one of the funny things about it was that on their feed, if it's a sponsored or it's an ad or whatever, when you're scrolling, it will just like stop on it. It will just like, you can't move. So if an ad comes up for, I don't know, a Kit Kat or some shit, it won't move until the ad goes after 15 seconds or however long it stays. So it made me appreciate that even though Instagram pushes all the sponsored content to you, they still let you browse. So if you want to, you can just keep skipping, skipping, skipping. It's hard to tell which is which, which is organic, which is paid sometimes on Insta, but at least you can skip it on TikTok. You can't just stay on that thing until it passes, then you can continue. So, um, you know, Elon going as far as saying, hey, you can read, but you can only read up to a certain amount of sounded insane. And also I was wondering, how do they even calculate what the reads are? Like sometimes people will retweet things and it'll come from like three different accounts. Maybe the video is from one account, then one tweet that's viral from one account, then another tweet that you're seeing is from another account. So does that count as three reads? Um, if you click on it, does that count as one? Or if you view it on your homepage, that's one or two, I don't know, whatever. It was just really confusing, but obviously everybody was fucking hitting their limits over the weekend. <laughs> and we were all getting this message, which I got a couple of times, which is like rate limit exceeded or something, which you've never really seen. And it got so bad to the point where I think Elon started pushing it. So it was like a notification, like a button thing. So it'd say rate limit put exceeded to, to see more tweets, subscribe. So it was clearly a, a kind of a test or something to see if you could push really hard the subscription thing, because I'm guessing for Elon temporarily for now with Twitter, maybe that's the only thing he can legitimately see is going to make them money. And, you know, I, I was, I'm surprised it's not as been as successful as I thought it would be because I thought people were more obsessed with blue ticks than maybe I envisioned, but maybe people were obsessed with blue ticks when they thought the blue tick thing was something given to you, bestowed upon you once you reached a certain level of fame. Once it became something you could just purchase, maybe it changed the whole nature of it and the desirability of it went, which I still don't think is the case because I've still got a feeling when Instagram rolls out the verification program to everybody, which I'll definitely use because especially if it allows you to send links on your Instagram stories and stuff like other people do, but that have more than 10,000 followers and stuff. I have a feeling when Instagram rolls out that verification program where you can pay for a blue tick on there, it's going to go dumb. So I think verifications probably only apply on certain platforms. For the most part, Twitter, you don't really need to be verified to pop off on there. Some of the biggest figures, cultural commentators, comedians, and just, you know, meme accounts don't have verification. Maybe they do because they want these features, but before that, you don't get famous off of that. You get famous for just like, you know, talking your shit, catching a lick and jumping on the algo wave, or maybe becoming part of the algo wave, whatever it may be called, right? Or maybe being the algo wave yourself. So it's not really a, a, a verification thing so maybe that's where he's at but you can see from the headlines here on google just how flipping crazy it's been over the last few days everyone going absolutely nuts about it you've got a headline here from financial times musk ignites backlash with moves to limit number of tweet posts users can view elon musk puts a reading paywall on twitter close to the verge bbc says twitter temporarily restricts twitter's users um users can see elon musk announce like crazy and everyone's kind of putting their boot in and reporting just generally on what's going on 
on and I'm pleased to announce actually as of a few hours ago my Twitter actually wasn't working I wasn't able to tweet a lot of things um and then of course I think the next few posts I saw was basically Elon you know insinuating that part of the reason why he did it was because he wanted to encourage people to go outside and touch grass because I think he reported a few days before that that you know it was record a number of usage in terms of Twitter right everyone was on there more than ever before and maybe he was feeling somewhat conflicted about it and he felt some more people should be outdoors especially considering the record heat waves around parts of europe and maybe other parts of the world who knows but people didn't respond well to it people didn't take well to being told what they should be doing on social media or the internet and it really reminded me a lot of um the time where i was in you know starting up i guess in the startup industry startup scene working doing community management marketing type of vibe and i was moving around from company to company but what i remember at the time you know getting experience all these cool places was that part of the culture at that time was to have like bean bags, was to have drinks on Friday, pizza on Wednesdays, whatever it may be, right? And at the time that was seen as like a like that was seen as like a pro. That was seen as like something very attractive to potential employees, right? In your company that you got all these amazing things. You bring them in, you have let them have an interview, you show them your fucking, you know, your 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 kitchen, open plan, everyone hangs out, blah blah blah. But then I also remember there was a shift in that some people started to see that as toxic productivity, toxic employment or something along those lines where essentially the argument was you're designing an office in the way that people can't leave. So they kind of are always here. So they're basically always working and there's no real separation between work and play. Understandable. I get what they mean. A little bit R-worded, but I get it. And then I also remember there was a time where there, you know, in offices there'll be flipping cupboards full of snacks, any snack you wanted, from Kinder Bueno to cereal to whatever, crisp, all there. Then I remember there was a period where suddenly everyone went to become health conscious and you were getting these boxes of fruit delivered to the to the office from these fruit startup companies that had like different boxes you'd get every week or whatever. There'd be maybe a particular swipe of health bar, nutrition bar, sky bowls, whatever. There was a shift happening. And I remember this particular company I worked at the all the, basically all the fat girls in our office revolted against it and i was also backing them because i really didn't understand this whole like force push to make people eat healthily in the office um let people make their choices as they please they're all grown-ups and they rejected it all across the board and i remember it actually being a thing for them you know for a lot of startups in london basically having to wrangle with hr and whatever the community team to kind of work out resolution because the people that were used to coming into the office and grabbing a quick you know chocolate whatever it may be for their tea and stuff or a croissant or whatever were now being told that that was out and you're going to eat flapjacks or you're going to eat rice krispies or rice cakes and shit like people were going nuts they were not having it so there's something about humans especially adults when you tell them what to do and you force them into doing something they just naturally say no nah, i'm not doing it they actually throw their toys out of the prime so it's kind of what it felt like over the weekend but it's all been rectified now it is what it is but again you have to give i have to give elon some level of credit because for all the decisions he's made on twitter some of them have been really redacted and not the greatest i think you got that guy like pomp what's his name is it pompiliano He's been on Twitter basically really capping for that guy super hard. I forgot his name. I think it's Pomp or something like that, right? He's been capping. Let me see if I can find him, actually. He's been capping for um, Elon really hard on flipping Twitter which has been quite cringe to see actually him going above and beyond to basically prove to Elon that he's, you know, 
the number one fan and he gets everything and it's fine and he's a genius you know those basically Elon Musk apologists and stuff which you know resoundingly everyone's saying this whole you know paying people you know having a, a limit on how many tweets they can read a day is absolutely insane whatever it may be called but he went out of his way to try and defend him and some of the points he made were absolutely you know insane anyway but I just want to quickly pull it up and so I can quickly read what he had to say because I thought it was quite funny, especially again when you consider the you know the wide majority of people out there who use Twitter on a daily basis who have been heavy who are you know most people on Twitter are I think ninety percent of the people on there are flipping hardcore users even if they don't post they're always on looking at everything seeing everything at all moments of the day are all coming around saying, hey, this is a terrible thing. And he's the only one trying to basically fly the Elon flag because he wants to seem as if he is fucking, you know, he gets it. Um, let's think, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, there it is, it's somewhere down here. Here we go. So, um, but weirdly enough, there was one person on social media who actually had a lot of good things to say about how Elon's been running Twitter and stuff. And I thought he's overall post was very interesting because i think a lot of people out there will definitely disagree with a lot of his points but it's basically pomp right and when he's not out here you know scamming his fans with shitty coins or horrible crypto advice and stuff right? he's out here basically being um elon musk is fucking white knight which is absolutely horrendous and cringe anyway and it, it comes from a lot of these american guys i feel like american dudes have like no capacity for shame sometimes or like no pride or no dignity in some way shape or form I don't think you're going to get a lot of European men out here really going in public and really kind of, you know, sucking off another man in this way. Even if it's somebody as kind of quote unquote brilliant as Elon, you're still going to keep it somewhat, you know, together. You're going to act like, you know, you're going to act like this is normal, that you've seen someone like him before in your life. You know, you act like you've been here before in a slight way. You're not going to be sucking him off to the teeth like some of these guys do, like, you know, these pumps and these, you know, Lex Friedman types. You don't really find these guys in Europe. You would think so. Everyone kind of a little bit more chill, a little bit more resilient deserved maybe has more personal pride maybe has way more of an ego who knows anyway and um, pomp's reaction to everything going on his his summary is as follows Elon Musk's recent decision around Twitter may appear confusing, but we're watching an impressive company turn around in real time, which I kind of have to agree with him in that regard. I think this whole cutting cost and still making, oh sorry, this whole cutting headcount and still making Twitter operational has definitely been a game changer. I think a lot of startups out there have basically opened their eyes to the idea that you don't always have to have an inflated workforce to get the job done. Um, if it gets a bit tricky in startup land because I've worked in startups a lot I know that part of the reason why a lot of companies hire a lot is basically to increase their options or their possibilities to get more funding because if you if you keep hiring it makes you look like you're somewhat of a profitable company so that when you go for another round of investment it looks like you're always on the up and the up there's like potential to grow blah blah blah, blah. those are usually things or if you do get investment one of the stipulations could be to increase headcount anyway and to build out certain teams or certain divisions in your company and let that foster over time that could be an option but he definitely has proved that you don't need a lot of people to run sites or social media apps or whatever they may be called product services like twitter fair enough 
He's increased the content quality on For You tab, debatable. Expanded creative features like two hour videos. I think that's really good, but it's still been taking a bit too long to really expand and roll it out completely. Um, empowered users to make money with subscriptions, for sure. Um, but I don't know who actually is paying for this sort of stuff. I don't. Insert ad rev inventory in the reply sections for tweets, fair. Suggest more tweets for more users end of thread, fair. Increasing user count by forcing account creation. That's also a fair one. Um, because I think for the most part nowadays, I haven't checked it in a while, but last I checked, when you check Twitter, you have to be logged in. You can't check it without logging in. Before you could check a couple of tweets here and there, then it'll prompt you to log in and you couldn't get away from the page. But now it's basically hard coded where you have to basically create an account. So that obviously is going to increase the amount of users they get. Um, gains new way of reconstruct, um, to reconstruct, sorry, users via new accounts. Diversifies revenue with Twitter blue features for, for sure. That's definitely something, but it definitely could be more to that. Drives new cycle by each part of the update for sure. I agree. And engagement explodes as people complain each time. Yeah. But that's also not something to kind of herald. Like it's a weird thing to kind of brag about. People complain about what I do all the time. And that means I'm always on the news. I guess some people's business is the fact that they annoy people. That could be a thing, but that shouldn't be something that you should be, you know, putting your hat on. It continues here. Cricket, critics, sorry. Critics love to hate Elon, but the product decisions are masterful. They follow a similar playbook to what he did at Facebook years ago. Um, Sorry, to what we did at Facebook years ago, which is widely considered the best growth team in corporate history. It has become cool to doubt Twitter's future. The product velocity and growth tactics suggest Twitter, um, suggest the history books may tell a different story. Oh, could I? Look at you again. Critics love to hate Elon, but the product decisions are masterful. They follow a similar playbook to what we did at Facebook years ago, which was widely considered the best growth team in corporate history. It has become core to doubt Twitter's future. The product velocity and growth tactics suggest history books may tell a different story though. No, for sure. There's some point to it. I think in, in short, you know, Twitter's not, it's hard to fuck up really and truly. I think the previous regime did try their best too, but it was still decent to use, even with all the constraints they had. Nowadays, it's a bit more loosey-goosey and you can go a bit crazy on there. So it's a way more enjoyable experience, I think, overall. But Elon's also smart enough not to fuck it up completely. I don't think so. And because he's a power user himself, um, I think he will eventually get to the right point. It's going to, you know, we're going to hear a lot of road bumps. There's going to be a lot of points of annoyance like he did with his fucking, you know, how many tweets, you know, limit thing you can read. But overall, he'll eventually get there like he did with this because he reversed it, right? There was enough uproar, enough people kind of pissed off at the whole idea behind it that he eventually just kind of succumbed to it and just turned, turned around and decided, you know what? this isn't worth it and now we're kind of back to normal so you know it was funny to why it lasted but again it kind of proved how addicted everyone is to flipping social media i will say all of us i don't include myself because i do have periods of time where i don't use the apps at all and obviously i read a lot of books and stuff so naturally that gives me opportunity to kind of unplug but jesus man our dependency our codependency on these apps is absolutely awful which is why sometimes when i hear people say oh social media isn't real i don't get bothered by things people say all about me online it's like mm, you probably should though because you spend your all your time on there so if people are on the place that you spend all your time on are saying bad things about you it would it should hurt you if it doesn't hurt you you might be on the spectrum or a complete psychopath really um because most people are going to be affected by those things especially on platforms that you frequent um but hey what do i know when it comes to this stuff not really that much 
I've also been watching Silo, one of my favorite TV series to watch. Um, hopefully, if you guys haven't watched it and you are planning to watch it, then please make sure you skip ahead because I'm going to be talking a little bit about the season one finale. So if you don't want to hear anything about it, I'm not going to speak about it in detail, but you know, I'm going to describe why I kind of saw and show some pictures. So if you don't want to see that, then make sure you skip ahead because I'm going to be talking about that in five, four, three, two, one. So Silo definitely is one of the best sci-fi shows I've watched in a while. And I think most of it has to do with the fact that the person who adapted the book to the TV, I think, if I'm not mistaken, has basically been reading and, you know, going by the source material, like to, to a T like literally like no no kind of swerve you know obviously some things you know show better on tv than on books and vice versa but for the most part for the kind of main flesh of the story it's all been kind of lifted from the books which i've heard are fantastic and i was meant to read the books actually but because season one was kind of being wrapped up quite quickly i didn't want to spoil it so i thought you know what let me just wait and finish season one and then i can do the subsequent seasons um because i think they basically split it's three books if i'm not mistaken silo and they split each book into two so you kind of get six seasons out of all of them kind of right um but it's really good so essentially the premise of silo is that there's some sort of apocalyptic event happened on earth or some planet resembling earth and everybody had to resort to living underground in these underground silos and they the silos are essentially these weird hierarchical classes systems where if you're one of the lower rung people the working class people you're right down at the bottom at the pit of this silo um on the lowest level next to all the machinery and shit and then if you're a higher up you're obviously way higher up the silo um whatever with more you know with maybe less restrictions to move around more opportunities to have higher caliber jobs and whatever it may be anyway long story short um there are a few people in that silo who are intent on finding the truth out about why they're there and kind of trying to uncover the mysteries of the outside and see whether or not it is as toxic as this they've been led to believe by their leaders and then eventually you know throughout the series certain people die trying to get out some people die trying to get to the truth um and essentially they figure out towards the end that the whole idea around the outside um being this complete barren wasteland that's completely desolate and toxic maybe not true because the screen that they all look out onto sometimes um to the outside that they project back into the flipping place maybe is displaying an image that isn't actually real um so over time um a few people in there decide to kind of you know go out and i think the i think it's i think it's called well, i forgot what it's called i think it's cleaning basically i forgot what the term is where you basically are sent outside and they put you in this makeshift spacesuit and you're sent outside to quote unquote clean and the idea behind it is that the people inside see you thinking that you're going to reach this promised land and then because of the lack of oxygen or the toxic air whatever it may be called the person usually collapses and dies and their body just remains out there which for everyone to see so it's kind of like a you know and like a warning for everybody hey don't go outdoors but overall just the premise of the show how it's structured the themes around it um the pursuit for the truth um the manipulation um the control 
like everything around it is really interesting to watch especially considering you know what we're living in today's society at the moment but it's done in a really interesting way very clever way it's very well written the dialogue is flipping amazing and again just a very very decent show considering all the frafas out there and for sure for me being a sci-fi fan it definitely is something that has um filled that void that existed now because the expanse you know finished whenever it finished so and there hasn't been anything as good as the expanse on tv you know in a long time so to get something like silo is absolutely amazing especially with foundation about to start very soon in a couple of weeks like my sci-fi itch is going to be absolutely flipping um you know well and truly satisfied over the next few weeks but definitely if you've got if you've got some time and you need something to watch i really recommend you check out silo silo is absolutely fantastic absolutely fantastic moving on from that one i want to mention this so i've been wondering right this this update concerning Jonathan Majors has been absolutely incredible to watch in real time. I'm not going to lie. Everyone cooked this guy, myself included, because the noises that initially came out surrounding his arrest, where he got into some sort of physical altercation with his then-girlfriend at the time in the back of some cab, that essentially led to all of his big jobs um, basically being pulled, his management team stepping away from him, and his future in Marvel basically hanging in the balance, right? And he's obviously future, you know, movie um, future, you know, prospects and stuff. And considering how much he was being hyped and lauded and spoken about he was essentially on the cusp of being like the next big you know hollywood star especially next big black hollywood star so a lot was online so when that initial news came out um it felt really like damning it felt like oh man they're not gonna give this guy a second chance especially when you consider his skin color especially when you consider just you know the way people are when it comes to accusations of abuse against women but now that no evidence has come out it's now looking like more than likely the way that it was initially reported or put out there by the alleged victim or whoever else was involved is not, isn't what happened. So most likely, if what is we heard so far is true about the altercation, most likely Jonathan Major should be found completely innocent of all of his crimes. So I'm just wondering now, if that is the case, who's going to apologize first? All those rags, all those publications, all those people online who are essentially burying this guy and deeming him to be guilty, you know, without a fair trial, without any evidence or anything of that ilk, and just taking the word of a woman at a time because, you know, essentially you have to believe a woman. What happens then if they does get found out that he was innocent? Because from what we've been able to hear so far, um, of just, again, concentrating on that incident alone, not anything else he did before in his past, but just that incident alone in the cab, so far it's looking like the woman was one of the aggressor she was the one that was pulling him back into the taxi she was the one that was attacking him and hitting him he's the one that actually stepped out of the cab and decided to go elsewhere and not continue the ride with her he's the one that went back home and left her to party she went back out again the cctv video of her after leaving him in a cab where after leaving you know the cab sorry she does go back to the club and have a good old time and she doesn't look hurt. She doesn't look, you know, like she's got a broken finger or whatever else that she says she had. And then obviously by the time she left the club for a second time and came back home, she was blackout drunk and didn't really remember what happened. Um, and obviously the police are maybe culpable too because there's evidence the police may have coached her into some of her answers and stuff. So essentially it's looking very shaky. The only issue Jonathan Majors will have is that I remember one of the more damning kind of side topics of the whole issue was that once a news came out by Jonathan Majors, sorry, and this 
girlfriend at the time many many people within the new york i guess acting entertainment theater kind of crowd were coming out and saying yeah we were waiting to see when this will finally come out this guy's a bad uh, guy he did this he did that so clearly he has a bad reputation with women with people in general where they were all kind of secretly i don't know hoping he'd fail or hoping he'd fuck it up um but i wonder in that case if that is the case even though those people who have evidence of their friends maybe suffering at the hands of him, maybe he might have changed, maybe he didn't. But let's imagine that the scenarios that they spoke about were true in previous lives, that he was maybe abusive to people back when he used to be in college or whatever, maybe, or acting school. Cool. But then he was getting cancelled or is getting cancelled or at the time was in the process because of something that happened in the back of the taxi. If it didn't happen, then including stuff that happened to him in his past when he was like 19, 21, shouldn't really be admissible, really. It? it shouldn't be something that you should be including in the slightest. It should be something that could be, should be dismissed, but people won't dismiss it, of course. So that's the only thing that he has to maybe contend with, that respect of it. But the turnaround has been flipping insane to watch. Like, in my ideal world, personally, I've said it before, like, I kind of understand the utility and the benefit of cancel culture as a tool in some regards especially when you consider sometimes depending on what country you're from the flipping conviction rate for sexual assaults and rape is really really low like frighteningly low one digit number low if that's the case and you suffer or you're a victim of such a crime and then you know also how dehumanizing the whole rape kit process can be and just retelling your story to a million detectives to get to the bottom of the issue. All that stuff could really kind of put you off from even going to file a complaint in the first place. So, you know, I don't know. I just don't like putting those things on people's jackets, you know, quickly. But I also understand if you're a victim of those type of things and you have no recourse in the courts, they may be publicly airing somebody out, ruining their business, maybe destroying their whole life and family, maybe a good way to kind of get some sort of retribution because you're not going to get in the courts, right? Fair. But I also don't believe in this other kind of, I won't even call it retroactive. I don't know what type of counterculture this is where if you don't find him guilty of the thing that you thought he was guilty of, then you start looking into his history and start finding other things that he could be guilty of to be counseled for. It's like, no, that's not how it works. You got him on this one because it was a big one, high profile one. At the time, he was doing mad bits of promo. He was on the tips of everyone's tongue. Everyone went to flipping tongue him down, man or woman. So it made sense that the one involving some lady in the back of a taxi would be the one that should pop off. But you don't then now get a chance to go off and start, you know, digging into the guy's history and finding out oh he was an awful dude in college he was did this he did that it's just that's just too much personally for me but again i'm eager to see how it plays out i'd love it if we just lived in a world where everybody was presumed innocent um you know until they're guilty really but in the core public opinion that isn't the case and you have to really give credit to Jonathan Majors in one bit as well because he refused to make any comment and I don't know how difficult I can only imagine how difficult that must have been if you generally believe that you didn't do nothing wrong to make no statement whatsoever to the public or to the press or to not do no interview or go on a blog was actually the best thing he could have done because it let everybody do what needs to do the evidence now comes to light and everyone can make their minds up about him muddying the waters or about people you know choosing sides whatever it may be it just kind of can be a facts thing like it is what it is so let's see what happens let's see how it kind of rolls but so far it's not looking good for the people that thought majors was over it's not looking good for them because it seems like he is very much alive um talking about being unalive 
this made me want to be on alive, right? This is a post of Shadeborough that really kind of puts into perspective, sorry, how flipping hard it must be to work in the music industry, especially as an artist. Like how much, how difficult it is to actually, you know, pay your bills, sustain your lifestyle, enjoy yourself through the talents and the gifts that's been bestowed upon you in order to sing, rap or make music. It's really annoying. Not make music, mostly sing and rap in front of a camera, in front of a mic. So this is courtesy of a, um, a UK singer here called Malahia, who says as follows, Mahalia, sorry, Maha Mahalia. It says um, she made no money for music and she posts on Twitter the following. I've been signed to since i was 13 i'm now 25 which basically means i've racked up 12 years of debt i have never made a penny off of my own music 100 million streams with all my money made going to my label this is pretty standard practice as most major label contracts and if i'm not mistaken have you taken a brief look on her on google she's pretty i wouldn't say cookie cutter but she's quite unconfident you know uncontroversial makes music that you would imagine most normies would like Right, so clearly somebody that isn't going to divide opinion too, too, too much, unless you don't, you know, ragely don't like her. But she doesn't seem like that type of person. So if if she's struggling, if a girl like this is struggling, can you imagine the guys who have more of a niche or who have music that you know most people in the UK probably wouldn't bop to too tough? Like, can you imagine how hard it must be? So credit to this girl for just making it very obvious what it's all about. But again, the sad reality of it is that we have more and more abilities to listen to music, right? And on any way possible, whether it's through a TV, a speaker, a watch, a phone, a hi-fi system, a video game console, whatever. You can find music and stream music any anywhere. But for some reason, artists haven't got the ability to make money from all those different things it's just still a record label thing that signs everything under one umbrella and then they kind of you know collect the checks under that one umbrella also but i feel like that kind of should be also divvied up to the artist like to find a way to increase the splits to find a way to just i don't know to make it just somewhat fairer because damn imagine being signed since you were 13 right having a hundred million streams on your money and most of your money is going to fucking label and then i think she cleared it up also and said this which i also just again paints you know being in the music industry in a horrible light she updated it in the comments of the shade bro and said also this caption is incorrect guys i'm living happy and fine i have other sources of income from other parts of my work when i say debt I'm talking about my debt to a label. When you sign a contract, record label, sorry, they give you an advance, which you have to pay back. Any money spent on costs of your music creation and other assets is also owed to a label. In other words, it's a recoupable. Until this money is repaid through record sales, I don't earn money from the sale of my music. Can you please revise your statements so people stop asking me if I have a GoFundMe page? <laughs> okay, cool. But can you imagine that though? So... How much of her own music does she has to stream to clear her debt, number one? Or was she maybe not popular when she first started her career, hence why it's not going where it's going to? Or most likely what happened is that the label overcharged her for everything. They probably overcharged her for using the Wi-Fi on the plane and racking up to the, to the red label. They overcharged her for fucking ordering food one time to the studio to record like loads of little things they'll probably you know rack up on there to kind of make it go crazy so jesus christos it still kind of shows you that the people out there making music so there was a part of me before where i was like oh 
if you're you know if you're one of your friends is making music and they're not making it at a certain age time to flip and give up or quit actually you should give them all the encouragement in the world i'm going to revise that statement because if there's if you have friends out there who are making money who are making not money who are making music just for the love of it just to put something up on social media for a bit of content creation thing you should actually go away to support them more than ever because they're clearly doing it for the love because there's clearly no money in it at the bottom and no money at it relatively to the top right <laughs> for you to make money to a point where this girl has to fucking figure out ways to become an entrepreneur that's always aggravated me why artists have to figure out how to become a mogul and entrepreneur just to make fucking money and to sustain their lifestyle and really and truly if they've got a big enough fan base they should be able to live that lifestyle without the need of you know so and so this or that or whatever it may be that's not really the way to go personally I, I don't i've never really liked that to be fair i'd much rather our artists focus mainly on the music and the quality of the art which may excuse again explain why music generally is a little bit uninspired and a little bit dead and that's why usually when something half decent comes around everyone kind of spazzes and goes crazy because there isn't much of it around nowadays because everybody's so you know the same or whatever it may be called but yeah again another depressing <laughs> music industry fucking nonsense thing showing you again why you know to be in that industry you really have to make, be made out of the good stuff mate you really have to be made out of the flipping good stuff oh yeah and then the second bit of news there's this post courtesy of shade bro that shows doshi doing a flash mob in liverpool london liverpool street station um I'm not going to play this music or anything because I'll probably end up going to get flipping striked for it or whatever it may be called. So I'll just leave the video up there so you can see it in the background. But this kind of reminds me of myself. I had a few of occasions, you know, gallivanting around Liverpool Street off the flipping pingers, um, going flipping crazy, thinking I was looking mad, suave and sophisticated when really my jaw was swinging from left to right and I clearly looked like I'd taken way too much. So <laughs> it's funny when you do this type of things, you think you look amazing, but to most people, they're just kind of annoyed and there's no other place for people to look more annoyed and unbothered than flipping London because everyone's walking around her like they can't see what's happening. They're pretending like it's not even happening, living their everyday life, trying to get to work. And this girl's absolutely cutting it up on the flipping Liverpool Street dance floor and having a whale of a time. So big up her for enjoying herself. Big up Doshi for enjoying herself. <laughs> but oh, the amount of times people have skanked around done circles you know pirouetted moonwalked all over that Liverpool sheet floor off of stuff must be in the mad mad numbers um but yeah moving on from that one we have this quick post i went to mention regarding georgia smith right She's been kind of going viral on my side of Twitter because this particular clip, um, courtesy of Complex, features Georgia and Neo Archives and Georgia's doing the remix of Little Things and putting her vocals on it. And legitimately, I'm not going to play the clip for you on the video side of the show. Maybe I'll actually play a little bit of it now. see kind of what it sounds like but essentially this might be the best thing i've heard from georgia smith like in a very long time i'm somebody that's never really been that 
much of a fan of hers. I think she's been quite overhyped. I think if there is a definition of pretty privilege, pretty privilege, she definitely gets it because I don't think the music matches the aesthetics. Don't get me wrong, her aesthetics are fucking amazing. She's definitely a gorgeous girl. I can understand why a lot of guys are into her. Maybe some girls also that go Google Gaga over and flop and obsess with her. You know, number one person being Jay Huss and stuff. I get, I get it. And chunks or no, no, he likes the other girl. Doesn't he have a light skin? I forgot her name. Sorry, uh, Maya, right? So, um, I get why people like her and stuff, right? But for me, the music has always been a bit dead, always felt a bit flat to me. She kind of occupies that quasi whispering R&B type of genre. And I just think there are many artists out there that do a better job of that kind of sound or that type of vocal inflections better than her. One off the top of my name, off the top of my head, sorry, is Baby Rose. I'm fucking big, big fan of hers. And I think she does that type of style of R&B music way better than Georgia. Anyway, that being said, Georgia on this type of beat is sensational. I really do hope that she does more of this going forward of a new album coming out soon, or maybe just gives us something a little bit different from what she's previously given us. Because thinking about it now, actually, Georgia kind of reminds me a little bit of Lana Del Rey. There's a, there's this, tendency to just stick to what she does Landa Ray doesn't really deviate or even maybe Adele really right that type of singing that she does right that mum's soul whatever it fucking called she doesn't really deviate from it in the slightest and George does the same thing so maybe she just enjoys that type of music regardless all that to say the clip is going viral not because of her vocal times but more because of what Georgia looks like because she looks very chunky right she wasn't as fat previously but now she's clearly gained a few lbs and it's been interesting to see on the timeline just how flipping nerfed and how unfun and how unserious social media has got because it should be okay for us to just say hey she looks a bit fat because we know what she's looked at beforehand because she's quite visible everywhere right she's one of the most popular musicians we have here in the uk she's globally well known some people like her music and are big fans of hers they post her stuff all the time online so you see what she looks like so we can clearly see that the georgia that we knew pre-2022 is not the same one that we can see now in front of us who knows why that she's gotten that big we don't know we don't care it's not a problem but you should be able to just say she looks chunkier, she looks bigger now. But one thing is for sure, she hasn't, you know, decreased her looks wise. I, you know, there's probably a queue of boys out now who would probably, you know, take her up on an offer to go on a date or whatnot at a moment's notice. No one's saying that she doesn't look attractive, but I just wish we lived in a world where it was okay to say, hey, she looks a little bit chunky. We don't remember looking that way at one time before in life and just keep it moving. But for some reason, we have to get into this weird semantics game. We have to kind of play nice and don't want to offend people and pretend like everything is big and beautiful it's just a nonsense really to be fair and you have to really give georgia credit because again we don't know what's going on and why this has happened um a lot of us myself included have put on a few lbs um since the pandemic i think everyone put on a bit of pandemic weight because we we're all basically indoors so that could be the reason why who knows something else could be going on or just because she just wants to look this way we don't we don't understand but one thing i have to give the girl credit for she has never so far in all the fervor around her weight what she looks like especially on social she hasn't really come out and said nothing and cried or complained or been the victim and she hasn't done one thing which i despise for people that as usually people that are newly fat if you've always been fat your whole life then do what you need to do but if you're somebody that just became fat because you decided you know you couldn't bother to work out anymore or you couldn't bother to watch what you eat or you're just in a whole different way of living you just want to kind of you know let life happen to you wherever it happens to you 
I really hate those type of people who then decide to become fat activists because you're not really a fat activist. You're just become, making this your entire personality because you're really trying to cope or come to terms of who you are and what you look like now or just give yourself a personality that you never had before. And I despise that. I've got a few people that I know who do that kind of thing who make the whole fat thing and body positivity thing, their entire personality. There's nothing more nauseating it because you know, because there are some people that do it and you know it's coming from a real place. It's congruent who they are. And some people do it just to fucking grift which is wild, right? It's wild to have a fucking body positivity grift, but it does exist. So credit to Jordan Smith for not jumping on that and just letting it be what it be. Some people want to talk about her body and shit like I am. Some people don't, and she doesn't give a fucking fuck because, you know, it is what it is. The game is the game. But I just wish we could live in a society where we could just say, hey, she's looking a bit chunky. We could just say it one time, you know, make our one-two comments and keep it moving. But it's pretending like we don't see that, you know, she looks a little bit bigger than what we remember her to look like. Again, no one's saying she looked like fucking Kate Moss. Um, she was always a kind of a curvy girl anyway. But still, she's definitely put on some LBs for whatever reason. People should be allowed to say it and not feel like they're being disrespectful or being rude because it just is what it is. It's an observation. But, you know, the country or the world we live in at the moment, people can be too sensitive. But have to end it with this whoever is in her camp needs to tell her to fucking double down triple down quadruple down on whatever sound this is that you would describe this fucking you know um little thing song is um with fucking near archives near archives maybe if it was up to me i'll tell her hey you guys lock in together can you put together an ep can you put together a whole produced a fucking album can near archives executive produce the entire thing please whatever it may be called please get that locked in because i've never heard georgia smith sound so good and again this is coming for somebody that's not really a fan of her music she sounds incredible on this track absolutely incredible so i want to hear more of that from her please more of that from her please if that is at all possible if that is at all possible Oh yeah, and one thing I found really interesting actually was Rigi Villasenor's response to all the fervor around his flipping name with the scamming allegations and the lawsuit out against him from one of his co-founders of Rue the Label. And I found his response on social to be kind of funny at first, right? Because he was kind of leaning into the meme, telling people to buck up and meet him in Paris if they had something to say, which is absolutely insane. Because, <laughs> you know, it's insane level of hubris to think that he's that important that people would be willing to, you know, jump on a transatlantic flight to come and see him to what press him on the fact that he may have swindled a co-founder of his or close collaborator, early collaborator, whatever he wants to paint it as out of money. It really isn't that deep. It's just some funny fodder to kind of laugh at on the net. If anything, for me, when I saw it, the funny or odd thing for me was that many, many people had come out after the fact and said, oh yeah, they always knew he was a scammer because he did this, he did that, he did this. But it was just interesting because for me, it felt like, where were all these people beforehand? Why didn't no one warn anyone before? Why didn't they put it to a stop? Why didn't they put it to one side? But obviously we know the answer because everyone was sort of, at the time at East Peak, was benefiting from his existence. So it wasn't in their interest to kind of cut the ties. But I think as soon as ba Bally or Bailey decided to cut the ties, that's when things change. I think they finally realized, okay, cool, we've got a bit of a monster here, a bit of a tyrant, and we probably just need to go now. Do you know what I mean? And that was probably sound advice um, in terms of that respect. But one thing that I thought was really hilarious was his response to the whole issue 
when he came out at the end of his flipping, um, you know, his latest show that he presented out there in Paris for spring 2024 menswear. The show itself wasn't really that impressive. If anything, this might have been one of the most, you know, maybe lackluster and underwhelming rude collections in a long time. I didn't like or feel it in the slightest, really, to be fair. Um, good job on him, though, for making sure he avoided using that flipping green ever flipping again. So big up to him in that regard. But, yeah, the collection wasn't the greatest for me. Um, some good bits here and there, but overall, not something that I'm going to be, like, you know, dying to have in that regard. But then the funny part of it was definitely this. At the end of the show, where the designers usually walk out for their round of applause and to basically thank the fans and the audience for coming and wish them a good night, um, you know, he comes out to the following song. This is ridiculous, you know, the guy that's being sued by his one of his co-founders for a lot of money and it could cost him the ownership of the brand. He said... <laughs> I'm sorry, but he even walks like a scammer. He's got a little shuffly, randomly, like, scammer walk, right? He's got the kind of walk that someone does when they know it's their round at the bar. He's got the kind of walk that someone does when they know, like, you know, the, the fucking bill for the fucking dinner is going to come down or something. He's got that sort of that walk to him, right? That kind of, oh, don't worry, I'll send it through walk. I'll get it to you by EOD walk. He's got that kind of walk about him, man. Absolutely ridiculous. And to think, man, this guy's actually legitimately playing with this guy's money to the point of, like, millions. This is crazy. And the story is really sad because if you you know get to the part of it you can see that those guys were clearly early when they you know when they first started they were clearly friends collaborators and shit the guy got involved one year into the brand being you know materialized it's never like he's somebody that came in late down the line and decided to jump in and try to make as much money in the situation as possible he was there when the company was really really damn bad right and he, he tried to help and then when he did help and invest 10 grand which that guy didn't have to invest you know Ruki didn't have that invest so he needed that guy to invest the 10 grand however little he must think it is now he didn't have that 10 grand at the time to keep his company afloat the guy does he's expecting to get breaking off whatever he's meant to be getting breaking off his little 10% but instead Ruki's out here doing private hand-to-hand -hand sales to avoid paying his long-term partner and then he has the goal to start goading people online to come and meet him in Paris right to for a fight or to hash out the differences and then he decides to roll out at the end of his show to fucking two-pack all eyes on me like come on brother man that's not that's not that's not Gucci that's not Celine that's not Prada <laughs> that's not anything that's fucking lame as hell like absolutely lame i just can't get past his little scammer walk he's got a little like doo -doo 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 -doo, gonna scam you today like he's got that little scammer swindler um can i interest you in a new washing machine type of walk i don't know there's something about him that just screams it like he just screams somebody that's gonna rip you off 
but the confidence and the balls on this guy to do this is absolutely hilarious. But I think it comes from the distance, isn't it? He's so far away, he probably knows he's going to get away with it because no one's really going to press him like that. And also, he didn't affect most people. He affected just one guy and somebody else. So clearly, it's not going to be an issue. And that's about it, really. Thanks a lot for tuning in to the Action Thinking Show, episode number 690. It's been a pleasure to have your company for the last hour or so. Hope you've enjoyed. If you're listening to the show via the audio side of the podcast, please make sure that you share to all your family and friends. I'd be greatly appreciated. If you're watching via the video side of the platform, just make sure you like and leave a comment if you're that way inclined. Um, also, if you're on the other side of the platform, you can leave me a five-star review. That would be greatly appreciated also. All the links to myself can be found in the description. If you listen via the audio side, you will hear my tune today. If you're not, you won't hear Jack and will disappear and see you soon. Take care. Bye. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me dio dos luceros que cuando los abro perfecto distingo lo negro del blanco y en el alto cielo su fondo estrellado y en las multitudes del hombre que yo amo Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me ha dado el oído que en todo su ancho graba noche y días grillos y canarios martillos, turbinas, ladridos chubascos y la voz tan tierna de mi bien amado gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me ha dado el sonido y el abecedario con él las palabras que pienso y declaro madre, amigo, hermano y luz alumbrando la ruta del alma del que estoy amando Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto Me ha dado la marcha de mis pies cansados Con ellos anduve ciudades y charcos Playas y desiertos, montañas y llanos Y la casa tuya, tu calle patio gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me dio el corazón que agita su marco cuando miro el fruto del cerebro humano cuando miro el bueno tan lejos 
del malo cuando miro el fondo de tus ojos claros gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me ha dado la risa y me ha dado el llanto así yo distingo Dicha de quebranto Los dos materiales que forman Mi canto Y el canto de ustedes que es el mismo canto Y el canto de todos que es mi propio canto Gracias a la vida